Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Linda Fisk. Linda Fisk is a multi-award-winning leader, keynote speaker, author, and university professor dedicated to amplifying and extending the the success of other high-caliber business leaders. She is the co-founder of Lead Hership Global, a community of unstoppable women enhancing their leadership blueprint and embracing their power to be the best version of themselves in work and life. In Leadership Global, Linda supports and guides ambitious, creative women to move in the direction of their purpose, their mission, and their dreams with powerful connections, critical support, practical tools, and valuable resources to show up, speak up, and step up into their careers and personal lives. Prior to her role in Leadership Global, Linda was the CEO of Collective 54, successfully launching, growing, and scaling that firm after serving as the global head of brand marketing, public relations, and communications at Susan G. Komen. Linda forged an earlier career as an entrepreneurial and forward-thinking marketing executive on the cutting edge of brand marketing. When Linda served as the global head of marketing for YPO, She developed her passion for bringing inspiring leaders together to create opportunity, discover possibility, and solve problems. Linda has a PhD and an MA in clinical psychology and has written extensively on the subjects of social comparison, depression and anxiety, subjective well-being, and personality theory with a focus on relating scientific research to commonly understood concepts. Currently, Linda is interested in the psychology of influence, persuasion, and negotiation. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It's just an honor to be here. And I just so appreciate your time and your willingness to introduce me to your incredible audience. So thank you so much. Yes. And just so my audience can get to know you, why don't you tell us your story, how you started out and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Well, I will tell you, your introduction did a a fabulous job of telling my story. But um, as you noted, I started out in marketing and I built a um, very successful career as a marketer and uh, really rose through the ranks um, in a marketing trajectory. At a certain point, I recognized that, um, you know, I had built this really wonderful set of experiences in a marketing leadership role that seemed to translate really well to a CEO role. And I was given that chance to build a company from scratch. And that was just a phenomenal opportunity. I was hired as the CEO of a very young fledgling company um, and was able to grow and scale that firm significantly. Um, And that gave me the confidence to step into the opportunity to build my own membership-based organization uniquely designed to help support women. And that really has been something that has been sort of on my heart and in my mind for several years. And I think after I was given the opportunity to build a company, I recognized that I had the skill as well as the will to be able to create something from scratch and build it and create this remarkable supportive, confidential community designed to accelerate the success of each and every member uh, by integrating self-directed learning, impactful group experiences, and then of course, peer advisory service uh, combined with expert-led coaching. And it's just been a, a really miraculous sort of journey where people were able to um, give me the opportunity to prove myself give me the grace to make mistakes and give me the the instruction and guidance to continue to improve. Wow. And when you talk about building something from scratch, you know, everybody has their thing, their baby, you know, that, that thing that's theirs. And it, it just sounds so exciting. And- yeah. I will say that, you know, I think over time, if you don't know 
uh, once you graduate college or you sort of move into a career path, um, if you don't know what it is that drives you, that fuels you, that ignites passion within you, I think that just simply being open to learning, being open to experience allows you to identify what really makes you thrilled, what gives you excitement, what creates passion, what makes you really look forward to the next day at work. And once you sort of begin to understand what what ignites you, then you can create a career path in pursuit of that. And I think that's what happened with me. I, I love marketing still. I, um, I'm a big advocate for understanding how to create really unstoppable brands and memorable brands and brands that create impact and purpose. To me, that is absolutely fundamental. But more importantly, I think over time, I was able to define my vision, grow my leadership, expand my influence, and hopefully through Leadership Global, I've been able to create a lasting legacy. And I think if you're open to experience, you're open to learning, that can happen with anyone. Mm-hmm. So when you were just starting out and you're building something from scratch, from new, did you have support around you? You know, I'm sure there was times where you were doing things and they were working and then you were doing things and they weren't working. Did you have support there? Were you just figuring it out? Yeah, I will say that I think everyone needs a safe and trusted environment to learn, to share, to discover, to grow. And luckily I have what I would consider to be a real power tribe around me. Um, And they provide the inspiration to tackle issues and problems that I may be facing. They offer innovative and effective business and career enhancing techniques that maybe I haven't thought of. Um, And they are really my team to help create new strategies and opportunities. And I think everyone needs that kind of power tribe around them. I mean, I'm really a firm believer that through exposure to exceptional people that we're better able to connect to ourselves and we have to be purposeful in where we spend our time, where we put our efforts and surround ourselves with people that are life-giving, that are advisors and mentors and coaches, people that can inspire you to overcome self-doubt um, so that you can follow your true calling. You can earn the kind of income you deserve. You can create more time for fun on your journey. You can develop meaningful relationships. And I think that when you're able to create that kind of power tribe around you with other female pioneers, with other um, people that um, have been incredibly successful in business and leadership, it opens yourself up to opportunity and possibility. Um, And for me, for sure, I was able to advance my career through the mentors and advisors and coaches that I purposefully created in my life around that time. So was everyone made to be able to create a tribe around them? Are there women that should just join a tribe as opposed to someone who should be the team leader? How do you know if you're the team leader or if you should just be one of the members? Is there certain characteristics of people that create these tribes? Yeah, that's such a great question, Kimberly. I will say that, um, you know, I think especially if you're in, executive C-suite leader, you are constantly bombarded with advice about the importance of growing your network and creating your own personal board of directors. And, you know, we're constantly told to use every opportunity to network and it's not what you know, but who you know. And I think that's all very inspiring, but it's not always intuitive. And actually for people like me that tend to be a bit bit more reserved, perhaps a bit shy, it can actually be quite intimidating. But I would say that, you know, right now, uh, it's more important than ever to be intentional about investing in and seeking out the right relationships that we need to thrive both personally and professionally. In the pandemic, where many of us were cut off of normal everyday sort of networking opportunities, I think that we have to be very purposeful and very intentional in creating relationships that are authentic and that are really um, meaningful to us. Importantly, 
Uh, we need to create the kind of safe, supportive environment that allows each of us to develop friendships and networks and that can enrich our professional and personal life. So I'm not sure that you necessarily need to be the leader of the community, but I think you need to find a leadership community that supports your unique purpose and can also improve your growth and and perhaps even the profitability of the organization that you run. Um, and I think that being a member of a leadership community gives you access to all kinds of best practices on key issues. It gives you honest advice and feedback from peers who don't have any conflict of interest. They can collaborate with you and help you work on the business rather than just in the business. Um, and I really believe that, you know, right now it's absolutely pivotal for women, especially, to find the kind of organization that they can thrive in. Now, not every leader will benefit from joining a kind of dynamic leadership organization, although I believe there's never been a better time to invest in your success with virtual networking, but not everyone is going to benefit from that. Let me explain. So, Virtual networking, I think, allows for a much more customized approach to networking because of the flexible scheduling, the ability to access recordings, um, the affordability factor. You don't have to travel to summits and conferences. Virtual networking can not only expand your leadership, but can enhance your influence globally. Like me, I'm in the United States speaking to you all the way around the world. But in order to take advantage of a leadership-based organization creating your own power tribe, I think you have to carve out regular, regularly scheduled time to grow your network. You have to get comfortable with being visible because networking involves being seen and you have to get involved. You have to attend the masterminds, the roundtables, the virtual webinars, the summits. You have to engage with people. And so while I think social networks are critical to professional advancement, I think you also have to make this a priority in your life and you have to invest your time, your energy and share your thought leadership and share your, share your uh, expertise with the community. And you're talking a lot about women. So what's um, the difference between if we network with other women or we network with the men? And, you know, when is the time to network with, get the guys involved? And when is the time when we should just hang out with the women? Yeah, that's so smart. A really good question. I will say that, you know, it is appropriate and and it is i think really advantageous to have a network uh that is you know that is incredibly inclusive and diverse between genders and races and walks of life and industries and all kinds of uh, diversity creates a richness and a incredible opportunity to, to better understand other cultures and to work on your cultural competence and work on your gender competence. But what we know is that Social networks are critical to professional advancement, but the way that women network is very different from the way that men do. In fact, recent research from the colleague uh, Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University now tells us that men and women actually need very different kinds of network to, to succeed because women in executive leadership roles often face sort of cultural and political hurdles that men often do not. They benefit from a much tighter inner circle of close female contacts that can share private confidential information. So not only is it important to build a very wide network, which men do uh, very, very well, but for women, it's also important to create a very tight knit close, confidential, private, and supportive inner network. Uh, you know, women face a greater challenge in networking to find professional opportunities and career advancement. And women, probably more so than men, need to maintain both a wide network as well as an informative inner circle in order to land the best positions, take advantage of opportunities, secure the most uh, advantages, that type of thing. But 
The good news is that by taking a smart approach, women can continue to find meaningful advancement options while also helping other women do the same, that they can identify and connect with people who are uh, part of multiple networks and they can build that inner circle, that inner power tribe while they advance their network across geographies, industries, genders, lifestyles. And I think that building a large network is incredibly advantageous, but for women, developing a close inner circle that supports you, that champions you, that advises you, that encourages you is probably even more important. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask more of a um, question that has to do with um, maybe your background in psychology. So a lot of times, like you said, women have to maybe fight a little harder for those executive positions and, and things like that. So if there's a woman, let's say on the outside, she's looking like a strong executive, but inside she, she's comparing herself, you know, and I saw that in your bio where you were studying some of that, you know, we're comparing ourselves to the men, we're comparing ourselves to other uh, colleagues. Um, any advice on helping keep it? positive mindset and keep it in the game? Yeah. First, don't compare yourself. That's <laughs> bottom line. Just don't do it. It's just, it's a vicious cycle because no matter how good you are, there will be someone that's better than you. No matter how beautiful you are, there is someone that's going to be more beautiful. And if you're looking at others for validation, you're not focused on your own personal values and your own personal purpose. So what I would say is don't, um, don't compare yourself to others because it's, it's not productive. But the other thing I would say is in all cases, adopting a growth mindset is really helpful. There are certain circumstances where there's just not going to be any other way than to recognize sort of your stature as compared to others, your position in hierarchy compared to others, your contribution to an organization as compared to others. There's going to be a recognition of the unique contribution that you make, the unique skill set that you have, the unique expertise that you have um, in comparison to others. And if you have a growth mindset, recognizing that the opportunity to continue to advance and to deepen your expertise and your knowledge and your skill is, is never ending, then that relieves some of this feeling of having to be perfect, right? None of us start any endeavor being perfect. None of us start any journey knowing all the answers and being the best that there is. It takes hours and hours of learning and practice and growth to become an expert. And so by recognizing that you, you know, by adopting a growth mindset and recognizing that it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to fail, it's okay to make missteps, and it's okay to continue to integrate that learning into our journey to become better and better and better, then that is what relieves that tension, I think, of having to feel as though if I'm not the best, then it's not worth trying. If I'm not Number one, I don't want to compete. If I am not exceptional, I don't want to enter the game because no one starts out being the best and number one. And I would say that no one really grows as a leader without the support of others. And finding a leadership community where you can meet inspirational leaders who are better than you, that you can learn from, that you can grow with is absolutely essential. Not only will you create lifelong friendships, but you'll be surrounded by people that are invested in your success and that you can learn from and grow with. And by doing that, you just might discover a mentor and advisor, a partner that can take you to that next level, but you've got to invest in your success to advance in your success. So finding a supportive, trusting community where you can be authentic and genuine in what you don't know, what you need to learn, where there are gaps, where there are areas of opportunity for advancement and learning for your own development, being able to be honest about those things and take those steps to fill the gaps is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you're speaking, um, you know, when, the way I met you is through, um, you know, Sally and, you know, I invested with Sally 
to improve myself. And because I invested with her, now I'm talking to you. Right. And, you know, one of the things she says is stay in your lane. So when you were talking about just stay where you're brilliant, stay in your brilliance. And then you, that's the thing you came in that God gave you that you're going to be better at than anyone else. So if we just stay there, we're, we don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else. I love that. That is brilliant advice. And you're right, Sally Anderson. And if she's listening to this is, is just one of the most intuitive, incredible coaches. She's just, um, she's brilliant. She's decisive. She's, she doesn't pull any punches and she creates sustainable transformation. That's really what she's known for. And that's really what she does. And I love the idea of staying in your lane, really understanding what your purpose is, what your vision is, what your giftedness is, what your skill set is, and to cultivate that, to really grow that and to be to be grateful for that every single day to show gratitude for those things that you were uniquely gifted in and to be sure that you're building your purpose around that and that you're cultivating a personal brand based on what it is that your unique purpose is on this earth. Exactly. And another thing I was reading in your bio is that you're interested now in negotiation. So let's say you have this tribe and you you have some asks, you have some things you need support in, um, and um, you want to ask for resources or help, or you want to negotiate something. How do you become a strong negotiator and to actually get with you want get what you want, but you know it's still a win-win situation? Yeah, I think first you have to. Um, take inventory of really what you want the outcome to be. So in any kind of negotiation, I think it's really important before you enter into a conversation with the other party to really take inventory of what the ideal outcome is in that negotiation. Be very clear about what you're trying to achieve. And then I think it's equally important to understand what you're willing to give up and what your non-negotiables are. You have to be very clear about those places in the negotiation, those, those turning points in the conversation where you're going to say, this is probably not going to work. And you're willing to walk away and you're willing to part as friends. You're willing to part in good company, but just say we're at a crossroads and I'm not willing to, uh, to compromise on these principles or on these particular um, tenets of the negotiation. This to me is non-negotiable. And it's okay if, if those things are are not going to be agreeable with you, I'm okay to walk away. So I think that gives you incredible leverage and power in a conversation when you know what you want the outcome to be, you know what you're willing to negotiate on, what those things are that you're willing to leverage and that you're willing to give up and that you're willing to compromise on, but also being very clear about what your non-negotiables are. And I think that is really key. And I also think that you need to recognize that negotiation sometimes takes perseverance of effort. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that in one conversation you'll achieve all of the outcome that you had envisioned. I think that despite significant challenges and obstacles in a conversation or a negotiation, you have to have a little bit of grit, which is the combination of resilience and self-control in the pursuit of goals that may take several conversations. It may take months um, and I feel like if you have that kind of mental toughness to be able to um, identify what your goal is, understand what your objective is in the conversation and stick to that, um, understanding where you're willing to give and where you're willing to compromise, but not giving up on your ideal, not giving up on what the outcome is that you're looking for, then I think that over time, that will be the driver of achievement and success well beyond what skill and knowledge provides. It's that mental toughness. It's the ability to identify a long-term goal and then be steadfast in that pursuit, undeterred by the sacrifices that it may require and the compromise that it may require, but being absolutely dedicated to that North star, that objective that you're trying to achieve. Exactly. As you're speaking, um, a lot of times when I'm, I'm talking with people, I talk about there's the mountain and you can see it. It's up there. It's, it's high enough where you can see it. And you might have to go around. You might have to go under. You might have to 
make a tunnel, <laughs> but somehow you get there, even if it's not the way you were thinking of in the first place. That's right. And I would say we all have talent, abilities, expertise to achieve greatness, but without that level of determination, resilience, and persistence, a success is going to be elusive. Whether that is in the creation of your company, the negotiation of a million dollar contract, or the creation of, um, you know, some sort of passion project. You've got to adopt a growth mindset, develop the ability to persevere, and then you see dramatic gains in achievement. But you've got to have the tenacity to pursue your goal, knowing that you have the ability to improve over time. And that allows the kind of stamina that I think you need to achieve long-term success. The key is to recognize that you have natural talents, intelligence, and giftedness. Um, but those things, without the application of persistence um, doesn't necessarily yield the kind of success and achievement that I think people expect it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then one thing that I know in my life is so important, and I don't even think I could accomplish much of anything without it. And that's my faith. So, yes. you know, you have your supports around you, you have your determination, you have the support around you, your resources, but then there's, that faith piece. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Kimberly, I'm so glad you brought this up because I feel like sometimes this is missing in conversations. And I think that it's tied to this idea of knowing your values, knowing your purpose, knowing your giftedness. And while I'm convinced that incorporating tenets of grit in your approach is absolutely key when tackling any kind of worthy pursuit, I have to say that it's equally important to embrace the concept of grace. And in this definition of grace, I'm really referring to your ability to push towards excellence, leaving room for failure. And I think to really unpack this concept of grace, you first have to know and accept your own shortcomings, your own failures. You have to deeply understand some of the consistent themes in your life that are embedded through your past and kind of woven through your life story because they are actually the keys to your purpose, your future. You have to understand your limitations, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your failures, and really examine those reoccurring issues in your life. And then you have to forgive yourself. You have to be able to say, yeah, you know what? I made a mistake. I failed at this. I made a misstep. And I feel like um, that's where a lot of people get uncomfortable. Um, and true grace, which is part of my faith, it's a cornerstone of my faith, recognizes that lessons are often learned through experiencing, you know, the result of a failure, a bad decision or a mistake and learning from it. Grace doesn't remove the consequences or attempt to protect you from bad decisions, but rather it allows for the recognition of the mistake, the forgiveness of the failure and the resilience to incorporate the learning into our forward progress. Mm -hmm. And I think grace is embodied. It's an attitude, it's a characteristic, it's a belief. And as such, it has a contagious effect on others, your team, your company, your family. And grace is absolutely built on my fundamental belief that, you know, the divine has forgiven me for everything I've ever done and will do. And based on that, it is my honor and privilege to forgive others. It's my honor and privilege to be able to show others grace as God has shown me grace. And I think that grace starts with you. It starts by clearly understanding your life history, including your consistent themes, and then making the conscious choice, the conscious decision to push forward towards ex excellence, knowing that your value isn't lessened because of your failure. Your failure doesn't define you. In fact, failures are the very building blocks that make you stronger and more valuable. And through grace, you can begin to think, more positively of yourself, even though you're going to inevitably fall short. There was only one perfect person on the face of the planet in my belief system. But I would say that even when you fall short of the expectations for yourself, you've got to make amends to those you hurt and at the same time, forgive yourself. You know, I think you, everyone can and will do better if you allow yourself to. 
And this gives you the ability to push others towards greater success while also allowing them to make mistakes. So that's my faith, 100%. And I, um, I certainly wouldn't be the human I am now if grace wasn't initially shown to me and given me the opportunity to show others grace. Beautiful. I love that. It just made my heart sing when you were talking about that, because we just got to, you know, forgive ourselves and forgive others, because like you said, we're not going to be perfect. And, you know, you know, as you were talking and you mentioned family, and that was my next question. So we have these, this tribe of unstoppable, successful, powerful women, but what happens to the family? You know, how do we, I don't even like the word balance anymore. How do we be successful, powerful women and take care of our children and take care of our family or, you know, how do we do that? Yeah, I'm not sure I have great answers for that. I think think it's really up to each and every woman to sort of figure out what that journey looks like. The good news is that I think it can be ever evolving. I think what works for a family with tiny infants is different from what works from a family with toddlers, which is different from what works for a family with teenagers, which is different from what works for the family with kids in college. And I think the good news is your life doesn't have to be static. It can be ever evolving. It can be changing. And the most important thing is to have an open conversation with your spouse and with your kids about what's working, what's not, you know, week to week, month to month, year to year, those things are going to change and being able to say, okay, well, listen, this works for us when we had small infants, but now that they're toddlers, we need to share more in the household duties, or I need a more flexible work schedule, or I need a more empathetic workplace, or I need the kids to pitch in and do more as they begin to grow up and be teenagers. And I would say that, you know, it, it, for me, the most important thing in a healthy, dynamic family, uh, and one in which both partners work, is self-awareness and the opportunity to continue to grow and communicate. Because again, no relationship is static. There's constant change happening. And the more that you become self-aware about how that change is affecting you and the change that you'd like to see implemented, and you communicate that with your spouse, with your partner, with your family, and you come to agreement about what those guardrails are, what that uh, responsibility is that each person is going to take on in that family, and how you're going to try to, as you said, balance is a tricky word, but how you're going to try to balance work and life, um, I think has got to be a open conversation that you revisit often. That is great. Yeah. So switching back to business again. So, you know, everything in life or that you learn has these basic building blocks. I mean, if, if it's baseball, there's certain things about how you swing, how you throw, how you run. So when it comes to branding and marketing, I know there's so much you can talk about about that. But if you want to build a brand that's going to last and be successful, what are some of the basic building blocks? What are some of the marketing things? What are some of the things that you need to do every time? Yeah. Gosh, what a great question. What a rich dialogue for that. I mean, that could be another hour, but, (laughs) um, you know, it's, I think that some of the tenets of really powerful branding are the same for companies and products as they are for people. So if you're talking about your personal brand or you're talking about your corporate brand, some of the tenets are very similar. So let's talk about personal brand first. And for me, Creating a personal brand begins by understanding your own values. And values are based in those aspects of your life that you have identified as non-negotiables, absolutely non-negotiables. No one could ask you or convince you or incent you to change or to in some way transgress against those values no matter what. And so if, inte- excuse me, if integrity 
is one of those values, then there is no amount of money. There is no amount of prestige. There is no title. There is no job. There is no relationship that you would trade for that idea of integrity. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And so the very first thing that I think you have to do as a leader when you're creating a brand is understand those non-negotiables, those values that you think you stand for, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the, the people that you're dealing with, the circumstance you find yourself in, the situation you're facing, those are your non-negotiables. Those are the things that really you stand for no matter what. And once you're clear on those five to seven ideals, concepts, values that really describe the heart of who you are, and that takes time to really be able to identify those things, and it takes conversation with others. But once you're clear on that, then it's about how do I communicate those things in a consistent manner across all touch points? So if I say that my one of my tenants, one of my personal values is integrity, then I am really going to dig deep about what integrity means for me and what my non-negotiables are with integrity. And then I am going to look at all my communication, all of my interactions, all of my relationships through the lens of integrity. And I'm going to look for any gaps that I may have in my integrity, in the relationships, in the communications, in the dealings, in the contracts, in the anything that I have happening in my life. And I'm going to rectify those things to ensure that there is consistency and there is integrity in the way that I deal uh, with the world if that is one of my personal brand attributes. And then I would say it really is once you have your values down and you've done the work to really understand that you're being consistent on those values, sometimes it's helpful to make sure that what I deem to be my personal brand resonates with the people that I interact with. And what that means is that I have to be clear about what my personal brand is as compared to my reputation. And so reputation is an outward in kind of perspective where personal brand is an inward out sort of perspective. So this may mean that I take 20, 30 people that I know deeply that have worked with me, that know me personally and professionally. And I ask, you know, how do you experience me? What's your perception of me? How do I come across to you? Um, what are those things that you think of when you think of me in a personal context or work context or professional context, how would you describe me to others? By asking those kinds of questions, we get phenomenal feedback from people who are uh, willing to be very honest and truthful with us. We get phenomenal feedback about how others experience us. And we can check to make sure that our personal brand is aligned with our reputation. And if there is misalignment, then that gives us an opportunity to say, hmm, what am I going to do to bring these things into alignment? Or, you know, are there particular aspects of my brand that I'm not thinking about? So if I'm told over and over and over again, Linda, you're an amazing communicator. And I think, really? I've never thought of myself as being an amazing communicator. I'm shocked by that. Mm -hmm. I have never considered myself to be even above par but I'm receiving the feedback that that's how people experience me, then that may give me another way to think about my personal brand and another way to think about how I want to cultivate a reputation around this value that maybe I didn't even see myself, right? Mm -hmm. So checking in with others to make sure that my personal brand resonates with my reputation, then that really does help. And then it's about ensuring that every touch point Every interaction with Linda Fisk is consistent So with my personal brand. So the podcast I do, the writing that I do, the, the articles that are published, the conversations that I have, the business dealings that I'm a part of, all of them need to be consistent with my personal brand, even down to the colors of my logo, the, the font style, my every single touch point, the way that I answer my phone, the way that I leave messages, the way that I sign my emails, they all need to be consistent with what I am trying to 
uh, communicate to the world about what I stand for. And for me, you know, I really care about advancing the success of women. And I've learned about the transformational power of bringing inspiring leaders together to create opportunity, discover possibility, and solve problems. Because I really believe that no one grows as a leader by themselves. So everything that I do is about connecting people, right? And that is part of my personal brand is that I want to create a supportive, uplifting community for people to thrive. And so that means that I need to be an active listener. I need to be respectful, no matter what someone's background is or what their lifestyle is or where they live in the world or where they came from or what they've gone through. I want to listen to that. I want to lift them up. I want to support them and I want to be there for them. So that's part of my personal brand. I need to make sure I act in alignment with that. I behave in a way that's aligned with that in all my dealings and that all the relationships that I have in my life would say, yeah, that sounds consistent to how I I interact and experience Linda. Wow. And do you ever think of it as, um, well, that's really confining in some ways. If you have to keep everything the same all the time, do you ever feel like, oh, I want to just do something different today? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I think it's so important to understand what your personal values are, right? Because those should be things that are non-negotiable. You just mentioned your faith is really critical to you. And so if that's true, I don't think there's anyone that could uh, convince you to not be faith-based, to to somehow um, you know, do things, behave in a way that's in conflict with your belief system, right? And that's what I'm talking about. Certainly, you can be incredibly creative within adherence to your faith, right? And oh, yeah. you could be creative and innovative and dynamic, and there's lots of room for evolution, but you would never do anything that's contrary to your beliefs, to your faith. Well, that's why understanding your core values is so critical because in fact, it's freeing. If you know what you stand for, then you also know what you don't stand for. And you can quickly sort of turn away from those behaviors or decisions or actions or relationships that are not in alignment with who you are at your core. So I think it's incredibly freeing and it's incredibly life-giving to say, wow, now I know exactly what my purpose is. I know exactly what my vision is. I know exactly what I stand for. And within that, there is phenomenal creativity and innovation and freedom. And I get to be you know, I can be goofy. I can be serious. I can be diligent. I can be funny. I can be all kinds of things within the value system in which I um, have uh, uniquely and purposefully decided for me. Mm-hmm. And it makes it easier to make decisions. Yes. You know when to say yes and when to say no. Exactly. You said that so beautifully. That's it, Kimberly. Yeah, that's really it. That is wonderful. So you were talking about, you know, logos and colors and what does colors have to do with it? You know, colors are really powerful. There's a lot of meaning in power in colors. And so really understanding, again, what you're trying to communicate and how you want to be perceived by the world Um can also be reinforced based on the colors that you choose for your office, for your logo, for your uh, emails, for your whatever. It's just, it's an incredibly important and subtle way of reinforcing what you stand for. So red is a power color. It's something that is bold and dramatic and powerful and it's a color that, you know, shouts for attention and it is usually known as being a power color. Blue, on the other hand, is peaceful and it's it's um, regal, but it's peaceful. And most people that are in blue are seen as being trustworthy. And blue is known for being um, a very regal, but trustworthy, peaceful kind of color. So they all have meaning. And it's about really digging in and understanding the meaning behind color and then choosing things that really reinforce, again, what you stand for and what your organization or company stands for. And if you're interested, you're welcome to anyone that's 
listening to the podcast to actually Google that. And you're going to see phenomenal reams of information about color theory and the meaning of color and the power of color. And it's really fascinating work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what about marketing? What are some of the basics of marketing? So I would say one of the biggest basics of marketing is uh, we've kind of talked about a little bit about personal branding or branding, which is Mm -hmm. to really understand what you stand for, understand what your purpose is and be consistent in the way that's communicated across all platforms at all times. And that also is true of brands, understanding the purpose of the brand. So understanding that, you know, Tom Shoes is a great example of this. There are a lot of brands out there that stand for something bigger than just selling a product or service. And when you can connect your brand to a higher purpose, something that is really deeply meaningful to people where everyone can rally around that and say, that is consistent with my own values. That's consistent with what I want to support. That is consistent with who I am as a human. So I want to buy that pair of shoes or that skirt or that dress or that makeup or that car or that whatever, because I know what they stand for and what they stand for is consistent with my value system, right? Mm -hmm. And you know instantly the value system of a Subaru versus a Cadillac. I don't even have to explain that. It comes to mind. You know exactly what those two brands stand for. You know what Starbucks stands for versus Tom's Shoes. You know what Patagonia stands for. Patagonia is a great example of a brand that sells outdoor gear, for sure. Some of the best, uh, most scientifically advanced outdoor gear in the world. But really, when you think about Patagonia, you think about preservation of precious places around the world. You think about their work to preserve nature, to preserve some of the most precious geological sites all around the world, and what they've done to to ensure safe, um, ecologically balanced travel. It's just, it's mind blowing. And so they have done a phenomenal job connecting their brand to something they're passionate about. And people will spend the extra dollars to buy Patagonia because they love what Patagonia stands for. So connecting your brand to something that's meaningful, that's deeply meaningful to people, I think is is step number one. And then step number two, not only understanding that higher calling for your brand, but understanding who is it that you that's really going to resonate with that? Who is the person that we're going to really um, attract with this value proposition, with this purpose? And that I think is, you know, a place where a lot of brands don't want to exclude anyone. They want to include everyone. And by doing so, they dilute their brand. Listen, everybody has their people. (laughs) Every brand has their people. And it's important to recognize who your people are, who your tribe is, and not everyone is going to resonate with that, right? And that should be okay. That should absolutely be okay. Even now, you know, 20 years ago, we might've said, well, Coke is for everyone. Coke is just ubiquitous. Everybody drinks Coke, but not anymore. There are people that drink Coke, but there are people that would never touch a Coke because of some of the most recent, you know, the studies on health and sugar and the connection between sugar and health. And they would rather drink Hint water. And they're huge advocates of Hint water. Well, I bet you the people that appeal that Hint water appeals to are very different from the people that Coke appeals to. Neither are right or wrong, but it's important to really be able to understand who your tribe is and to be able to attract them, right? So Hint water was overnight one of the biggest water brands in the world by adding a little natural fruit flavor to the water, right? And it was created by Kara Golden, who did not come from the beverage industry, who had no idea how to get into a grocery store, who had no clue about how to compete in the beverage industry. She just had an idea. And by creating something that she felt like was missing in the marketplace and being very clear on the people that she was trying to serve, right? And being really laser sharp in who she was trying to serve, she was able to create an enormous market and differentiate herself from the sugar drinks like Coke. Beautiful. So um, you have given us so much great information so far. 
but let's talk about um, your group, Leadership Global. Why don't you talk about that? Let people know if they wanted to contact you or how do they get a hold of you? Um, just about what you're offering now. Kimberly, you're so kind for even offering me the opportunity to talk about Leadership Global. Of course, it's my passion. And I uh, want to thank you, first off, for even bringing that up. You know, as I said, I'm a firm believer that through exposure to exceptional people, we're better able to connect to ourselves and being purposeful in where we spend our time, where we put our efforts, the connections that we create is incredibly important. And so at Leadership Global, we have created a confidential and supportive community that's really designed to accelerate the success of each and every member by integrating self-directed learning, incredibly impactful small group experiences, really transformational experiences, peer advisory services, and then expert-led coaching and mentoring. And I don't know another organization out there that offers that kind of 360-degree approach in helping, in this case, women grow and thrive and flourish because we offer advisory services, coaching services, mentoring services, as well as self-directed learning and incredibly powerful small group experiences and big learning events. So what I offer to any of the women that are listening today is that if you're ready to define your vision, to grow your leadership, to expand your influence, or to create a lasting legacy, then check out Leadership Global. We are designed to enhance the leadership blueprint of unstoppable women around the world and help them embrace their power to be the very best versions of themselves, both in work and in life. And the transformation stories that I could tell you are just phenomenal. They, the way that I have seen women come together in partnership, how businesses have gotten funded, nonprofits have gotten funded, philanthropies have been built, businesses have been accelerated, people's purpose have been defined. It's just been remarkable. And so if you're a woman in leadership ready to claim your power, and really change the world, then join Leadership Global. Because I tell you, the women in Leadership Global are doing phenomenal things around the world. These are powerful women in business, politics, and entertainment. And they provide priceless guidance about the pivotal steps that push them in the direction of their purpose, their mission, their dreams. And that combined with all the practical tools and resources and quick tips that we provide for women to use today to show up, speak up, and step up into their career and personal life is absolutely transformational. That sounds wonderful. So wonderful. And I can tell how passionate you are about it. I just see it on your face. So it's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I am. I really am. Because I think that everyone deserves to have a safe and trusted environment to learn, to share, to grow, to discover. And I think that you need authentic uh, leadership and you need the opportunity to be vulnerable and transparent in order to grow. You need the opportunity to accelerate your success in a place where people are invested in you. They're invested in your purpose. And that is what I find in Leadership Global. And this has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with the phenomenal women that are part of this organization. You know, they are women that come together for powerful conversations about life and about leadership and they are incredible women in leadership and provide the tools that you need as a female pioneer, as a leader in business, as a trailblazer in politics to make real change. Wonderful. So I'm going to change directions a little bit and just ask a personal question. Yeah. So I know leadership gives you a lot of um, feel good sensation there, but what else in life, what gives you the happiness and fulfillment in your life right now? I love that question. And I think 
I just as a, an aside, I think everyone should be asking themselves that on a routine basis. What's giving me joy right now? What's giving me fulfillment? Where am I finding peace? Um, and for me, I would say like you, number one is my faith. Um, you know, I spend time with scripture every single day. I try very hard to ensure that, you know, I put that time as priority in my life so that I get to spend time uh, with the Lord and I get to nourish my spirit, which is just fundamental to everything in life is to make sure that my, my spirit is strong, that my intention is right, that I'm clear on what my challenges are and how I want to overcome those challenges. So that's first and foremost. And I, like everyone else, am certainly a work in progress. I don't have all the answers yet. I am still a very flawed human being, but the good news is I'm, I'm trying. And as I said earlier, you know, I know that I'm forgiven and that I've been given grace. So I, it gives me the strength and power to move forward. And then the other thing that I think is, is just such a blessing um, is my husband. I don't have kids, but I do have a phenomenal partner and he is uh, a truth teller more than anything else. He tells me the truth about what's happening in my life, where I'm making missteps, where I'm, I'm allocating the wrong amount of energy or resources. And he gently guides me back. He is he always does it with love and with kindness, but he um, is so focused on my well-being that he doesn't allow me to sort of move down a path that's self-destructive or that's that's not in my best interest. He just simply doesn't allow it. So he very gently sort of grabs my hand and pulls me back when I'm working too much or when um, you know I may be giving too much to other people in my life and not taking enough time for he and I or whatever. He gently sort of uh, guides me back. And that is the, the biggest gift I could be given. I um, mean, he's also a huge cheerleader. He's a supporter. He's, a, he's someone who's got my back no matter what. And I can't tell you how important that is, that if you don't have that in your spouse, you find that somewhere, someone who's going to champion you and someone that's going to be your cheerleader and someone that's going to lift you up and someone that's going to support you and someone that's going to remind you that you are a phenomenal human that was put on this planet for purpose. And don't forget how extraordinary you are and how important it is that you're here. And I think that it's just so um, easy to get down on ourselves. And it's so important to have people that remind us that we are divinely appointed to be here at this moment in relationship with others for a purpose. And we've got to continually honor that purpose. Yes. I love that. Thank you. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for everything you've shared. I, I just so appreciate it. Kimberly, I appreciate it. I am honored that I even get to be here with you today. And I'm thankful to Sally Anderson for introducing us. And I, I owe Sally a, a bouquet of flowers for this. And um, as you and I both know, she's celebrating her birthday right now. So I hope that Sally, when you hear this, you are filled with joy and appreciation and gratitude because um, both Kimberly and I are, are incredibly big fans of yours. And even more so that now I have this time to get to know you, Kimberly. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for giving this platform for leaders to talk about the things that are really critical to their happiness, to their joy, to their transformation, to their life pivots, right? I just feel like everyone's on this journey, this, this evolving journey of development and discovery. And the fact that you give voice to that is just beautiful. Well, thank you so much. So I have one last question before we finish. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? Gratitude. Just make gratitude part of your daily habit. And for me, that includes writing it down. Every single day, I try to find three things that I'm grateful for, and I literally write them down. And what that does is it changes my mindset. Instead of thinking about the things I'm worried about, thinking about the things that haven't worked out very well, thinking about the things that, you know, I feel 
like I should have done better, or I wish I, there had been a different outcome, or I'm holding myself sort of accountable for things not being quite exactly like I had hoped. Um, instead of focusing on those things, I focus on the things I'm grateful for. I focus on the things that went well. I focus on the things where there was a phenomenal level of success or happiness or joy or connection or something that I can pause and say, wow, I am so grateful for that. And it changes what you look for in every single moment of every single day. It changes how you um, see circumstances. It changes how you see situations. And I think if you, to use the phrase attitude of gratitude, if you have an attitude of gratitude, it is life-saving and life-changing. And for me, um, you know, ensuring that I never lose sight of the things I'm blessed by, the things that I'm fortunate to live through, the things that I am incredibly grateful to experience changes the way I see every moment of every day. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Kimberly.